are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. We're all a little weary this year, aren't we? Up until yesterday morning, I'd imagine that we'd have a good-sized gathering here in the church for tonight. Then the recommendations came down from the bishop that we consider moving to an online format. That was followed by a consult with Dr. Pierre Plourd, and he was very clear, so here we are. And we're still tentative, cautious, ready to be attuned to the next health directive, perhaps seeing a deeper set of limits set. Last year was the first time in my life that I wasn't in church for Christmas Eve. Growing up, my family had always gone to church on this night, sometimes to our home church, sometimes with my grandparents to Elam Chapel, sometimes somewhere else with family friends. Then when I hit university, I began to attend here at All Saints Church, and I became an active member of this congregation. And so the norm in All Saints is an 11 o'clock, late night, midnight mass. And those late night Christmas liturgies became a part of the fabric of this season for me. And I continued when I moved to Toronto to attend theological college, and then beyond that in my early years of ordination, always the late night. When we established St. Benedict's Table in 2004, began to share this building with all saints, we landed on this 8 p.m. liturgy time. That has been my solid practice year after year after year. And I really like it. Now you might remember that last year at this time we were in the midst of a pretty hard lockdown. The vaccines were not yet in circulation. Things felt really rather overwhelmed. We could have only five people present in the church to live stream. Two musicians, our live streaming tech, one assistant to the readings and so forth, and one clergy person. When I looked at the rhythm that Rachel and I shared at that time, it was clear to me that I should cover the Sunday after Christmas Day. She should be the one here to lead Christmas Eve, and so she did. I was at home on my own. I had bread and wine set out for communion, I had candles burning, Christmas lights all on, an order of service set on the dining room table where I would sit, and the liturgy began. It was fine in that online kind of way. Not nearly the same thing as being in the church, and not nearly the same thing as being with a whole group of people in the church. When that online service was over, I hosted a social time on Zoom. Again, it was fine, just fine, but strangely out of joint, 
with what every part of my being wanted to be doing on this night. And now, after being able to gather together since mid-July, we're once again back largely to an online format. This latest variant is more able to spread. We're not yet sure how long our hospital intensive care units will be able to hold up. So, the little group that is here is masked, distanced, careful. Much as I'm happy that we can do at least this much, I am more deeply aware tonight that all is not well in our world. But you know, if you turn to this great gospel reading for the evening, Luke flags the fact that things were not well in his world either. It begins in those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Who is in charge of that world? Emperor Augustus. And what was Augustus set to do? What was he determined to do? He wanted to see that all the world, or at least the part of the world that he knew and ruled, would be registered, counted for the purpose of taxation. And how was this to be done? By having everyone travel home to their ancestral place of origin. Not the most practical method, granted, but sometimes governments want us to march to their ground, and it's not always the most practical. So it was, Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem. Because he was descended from the house and family of David, that sounds rather grand in a way, doesn't it? Joseph was descended from the house and family of David, the greatest king that the people had ever had. But it wasn't grand at all, rather just complicated. He and Mary live in Nazareth, which is about 140 kilometers by road from Bethlehem. So no small journey on foot or by donkey. She is, of course, pregnant making the journey all the more arduous, even dangerous. But as Luke tells the story, the empire has issued a dictate, and there's no way around it. Not only that, but while Bethlehem might have been Joseph's ancestral home, it's clearly not a place familiar to him. So the best they can manage is to get permission to stay in a stable in the midst of the animals. Ah well, at least it's warm, and a space can be carved out to sleep. We'll deal with the census in the morning and start back home again. While they were there, the time came for Mary to deliver her child, which was probably the last thing either of them had hoped would happen. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, in a feed trough, 
which was the best they could manage for a cradle. Now I would imagine that the animals would have smelled the scent of that baby hair. Maybe out of curiosity, some of the animals might have even tried to get closer to see what was in that manger, that feed trough. Maybe Joseph shooed them away. Maybe, just maybe, that milk cow got close enough to breathe deeply of the scent of new life. Then, with exhaustion written on their faces, they tried to bed down for the night. When a group of shepherds, shepherds of all things, arrived at the stable door with this wild tale of angels fueling their insistence that they needed to see the baby. It was more than most of us would have begun to cope with. But in Luke's telling, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Again, that's all really lovely. But at the same time, we need to keep that bigger picture in view. They're far from home, resting now in a stable. The empire is clattering its swords in the streets, preparing for the taxation that would surely follow the census. Power is in the hands of the Romans there in Judea and back home in Galilee. In Judea, there is Herod the Great, theoretically the king, but the real power is in the hands of Rome. The Romans love to talk about Pax Romana, Pax Romana, the Roman peace. But everyone knows how the Roman peace had been won and how it was maintained. You are at best, Mary, a vassal. Same with you, Joseph. And I suspect you're quite aware of that. Jesus, the baby, same is true of you. In Rome's eyes, you are nothing but a vassal. Life is precarious and cheap under the Pax Romana. That was just true. Yet, as the child grew and became an adult, he would walk a different path. Where Rome ruled with an iron hand, he incarnated hope. Where Rome so easily destroyed life, he restored, healed, and fed people. Where Rome understood but one way of ruling, he told these extraordinary parables and instilled hope and possibility in the souls of those who truly heard him. He, in a sense, lit candles in the midst of a very dark time, and he feasted against the darkness. So this night, gaze with your imaginations at that fragile newborn baby. And when we finished up with this online liturgy, light a few extra candles at home. Feast against the darkness. Put on some music. Dare to laugh or to tell a great story. Not in denial that this world still struggles under the weight of this pandemic, mind you, but as a resilient act of faith, comfort, and love 
in days that are unsure, in a world that for all of its brokenness remains this great and beautiful gift. As best you can, have a blessed and happy Christmas season. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.